Today at the SDGI Directors in Dialogue, director Lenny Abrahamson talks to actor Pat Short about the collaboration between the director and the actor. I used to do a lot of ads well before I did uh, any film stuff. Well, I had done a short, but uh, then I kind of got caught up in trying to think about feature ideas and I started doing ads. Luckily, got into making some and I found it very good for me in lots of ways as a director, you know, kind of made me less precious and gave me a lot of experience. But one of the ads that I did, I did two sets of ads with Pat. Yeah. First of all, with Pat and John. That's right, the um, Telethon yeah. commercial, yeah. 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 So we did a uni grabber. Um, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, there was all these mad things that um, the idea was: what would you do? How far would you go for uh, teleton? You know, the, the, those big uh, people in need. People in need. It? Yeah, with the phone and things. So we came up with the idea that we'd we'd, um, we'd have unbelievable characters that they would do. Um, they create like a tele shopping type thing or something like that. So this mad machine and these guys are going to do and get all these kind of mad things that you could uh, pick up a bale of hay with. Small little fork type thing and run around and all the well, It was like a, it was what was it? It was like a sort of extendable. Uh, uh, ha- it was a totally useless object. It was yeah. like a, a kid's toy, but it was basically made of a, a spring loaded yoke that you could pull the handles together in the hand with clasp things. Uh, so we had a whole. And we brought, we, yeah, we, we reared calves with it and we did all Yeah, it was like you put a screen in a, in a farmyard and yeah, we, there's a cow at one end of the screen and a pat at the other end pretending yeah. to like. And then there'd be like a pop. And then the yeah. little calf was running around and those bad commercials like you sell products in the morning that kind of stuff. It was good fun. Yeah. It was good fun. Yeah, you were dressed. You were so, you were, you did sciencey bits with, with 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 like in a shed. Test tubes and bunsen burners. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, we it was like the idea was two farmers making their own ad for a really crap product, but and we were experts. Yeah. yeah. So we did that, and then a year, a couple of years after that, um, I did these aircom ads with Pat, right, yeah, yeah. where I don't know if you remember, Pat was dressed as. Like the lady from the, I want to break free. I want to break free. Yeah, the yeah. the Freddie Mercury videos, pastiche of that, and yeah. it was actually earlier on that the somebody was asking Pat like how, you know, what did I ever like lose my cool or whatever? And you yeah. you remembered one of one time I very slightly lost my cool, and then <laughs> I remember the only time I ever saw Pat in the whole stress of shooting a feature film, never did he like lose his cool in the slightest. But I remember on that. Aircom ad, nobody had told you from the agency that this was going to be like an 18 hour day. No, that's right. Yeah. And you had a, a, an early start the next day, and it was bringing Pat came up. And, and the only time we've ever seen him, he said, You know, it's just, it's, it's actually, you know, it's really just not cool. But it was very difficult to take him seriously because at the time he was dressed, <laughs> he was dressed as a baby with, with like a, with a, with a little baby's bonnet on and, and freckles painted and glistering tears in his eyes for the scene that we did where you see him picking up. His, as the woman picking up his baby and he's also playing the baby in a large cot so it was pretty hard to take seriously but yeah so that's how we met and then um, myself and Mark Holland were working together after after we're talking to after Adam and Paul about what we were going to make and we had messed with various ideas that were sort of more or less good or not good and then Mark told me a story of, of a guy from his hometown of Ennis who he hadn't seen for since he was a kid, but he'd asked his mother whatever happened to this guy. And she told the story of this petrol station attendant who had been a very helpful sort of guy. Not, you know, people felt he borderline weren't sure if he was the full shilling or not. And something similar to what happens in Garage had been reported about this guy and he had killed himself. So that was the beginning of the idea. But very quickly into that process, 
we both thought about Pat as the, as the, as, as the, in a way, he's probably the only person we felt could play Josie. And I, I, I think I came to you fairly early before the script was ready. That's wasn't right, it? yeah, yeah. Yeah, you came to me before the script was ready and asked me would I be interested in it. Of course, from my experience of working with Lenny previous to that, I, I was very much up for it. And I also knew Mark. I worked with Mark as an actor, um, not so much as a writer. Many years ago on a, on a film with uh, Brendan Deeson and Mia Farrell up in Galway. And um, yeah, I knew it would be good. And then when I got the script, I got the fright of my life. Yeah. <laughs> because there was actually a lot of, there was not a lot of dialogue in it. If you know what I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say that in Mark's company because he'd be very upset. <laughs> but but it was a lot. There was a lot of um, moments there where you, it was it was down to performance, and that's where the work between the two of us became kind of crucial, and the prep work became crucial is to get nailed those moments. I think uh, that were you know obviously the script had to be nailed as well, but but the kind of the, the visuals and there's a lot there's a lot in the empty parts mm. of Garage, you know, the, like and there are a lot of very small scenes in Garage where. On the script, they don't kind of necessary. I mean, it's down to Mark's skill. It's not. It's it, it is about the script as well as about yeah. the direction. But like the script is confident enough to just leave you with very little. I mean, we work together anyway, so we kind of he knows how I work and I know how he he works. So, but it's interesting. Like in thinking about Pat, I do remember being over in Britain and talking about this film and people in the industry over there read the script and said, well, obviously you should cast Brendan Gleeson because that would you know Brendan being the like there are the there are the big names out at at, at that point anyway in, in among Irish actors and <coughs> comedy character large characters, characters yeah. that's Brendan. Whereas if you've got you know if it's a dynamic, blah, it's either Pierce or Liam Neeson or you know so there were those conceptions. But but I think I think Brendan's an amazing actor. So no nothing, but I think we were proved right in thinking that Pat would bring. And I don't think anybody would have necessarily thought of it initially, but would bring something more authentic. And that's what I think we should talk about. Because yeah. like, you would have been known as a, for a, a broader kind of comedy, but, but why is it that, that it works so well in that film? Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, I, I was very conscious, I suppose, in... And this is where we kind of worked a lot together, I thought. Um, I think, anyway, was that I was very conscious of being recognised in Ireland and of course when we made the film all we were thinking about was Ireland that's mm -hmm. what I mean uh, I was very conscious of the fact that I was known as a <coughs> comedy actor which large characters and caricatures and, and cartoon and kind of slapstick and, and that style of, of, of performance so I was very conscious this character demanded something different so it was a constant check for me that I wasn't doing a face or I wasn't falling into something that I had done before so we worked very closely together in the sense that even through filming <coughs> Uh, on the days I would constantly torment Lenny to make sure keep a check on me, keep a check on me. But interesting enough, I did the first day. You got a surprise in a way because I, I, having taken, having checked yourself, oh. you you possibly went even too far because the character yeah. still is this extraordinary physical creation. He he's not. So so so. It was important not to, to turn it right down, but not to turn it to zero. That's right. Yeah, it was it was finding that 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 perfect kind of line. Yeah. So and I remember that in times, saying no, you actually push it more. Yeah. I was worried. Well, this is a funny. You know, there's like we yeah. did we did routines in the film, even though like, even though the film is largely extremely minimal and it is you know, in fact all the way very kind of bare, like what happens in a scene is very simple. Pat goes somewhere. 
meet somebody, some something is said, and then he goes off again. Like there are no, there's it, it. It's got this like if it was a drawing, it would be a very simple line drawing. Um, but nevertheless, within that, there are these kind of nods to a different kind of physical comedy, like the yellow pipe scene, where Pat's like, you know, is 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 it making improvements in the garage, and he finds this piece of yellow pipe and. He cuts it to size. Well, that was stuff we just came up with on oh, kind of when we were there because bits of things were lying around and and cans, I was just, cans, you know cans and cans exactly and the and, and the oils and the, the arrangements of things yeah. that there is a kind of essential comedy in that. Yeah, yeah. In those yeah. lives, there are these absurd like people who like they focus on these tiny things and and that you you know you, you need to give that its respect and not throw it away. It is it is sort of funny and yeah. and slapstick, but. Um, we used to always go for a third take as well. I remember. Yeah. You know, once we had it, we felt we had it. Then we go like push it out. Yeah. Push it out a bit and have a bit of fun with it. And sometimes those takes were used. Sometimes those takes were used. Yeah. And and the the thing I would say about it as well with working with Pat is that because Pat's a performer as well as an actor, because he's a comedian and a and a clown as well as an actor, and the actor part is incredibly important. It wouldn't work if if that wasn't there. But because you're used to working that way, which is how is that? Was that good? Should we try it? Should we push it? Should we? It's not a precious conversation. Do you know what I mean? It's not a conversation where you're where all the time, like, and I've, I've had this often, where you've got to filter what actually can be a very practical relationship between director and actor, or should often be a very practical relationship. <coughs> Sometimes with some actors have to filter that through a kind of, for want of a better word, a sort of bullshit translator, where you have to go into a kind of, you know, a kind of very earnest conversation because some actors really need that yeah. you know but it's so refreshing to just be able to go throw this one away oh. and, and and not well what what, what you know why should i what, 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 you know so, so you're used to like that play of that you yeah know i'm mean? used to that but i also do believe too very strongly in it's the director's gig as well mm. and that you know if the director wants you to do x y or z we'll do it because mm. it's at the end of the day, it's the director, especially in film. You know, it's yeah. Tell a bit different. Tell yeah. a bit different. Yeah, but I think definitely in film, it's a director's gig. So you you bring you bring something instinctively as an actor anyway to, to the table, and that's why you're there. You know, yeah. you know that's why the director picks you in the first place. But after that, then I I personally believe you go with the director um, because it's their vision and their picture. Yeah, and uh, that's that probably helped things how we got along because as a result, that gave me great confidence in the knowledge that, and from an actor's point of view, that. The director knows what they're doing. There's nothing worse than the director flapping around the place, uh, you know, not sure of what the fuck. Well, I always say, like, uh, really good, big, uh, great advice that was given to me was like, if you're not really sure, pretend. Yes. <laughs> because nobody wants to see you going, oh, Jesus, you know, go and do that in the loo if you really need to, you know, or go for a little walk or save that because, because that, that, that sense of there being a sort of, a per, you know, a clarity to proceedings is very important for everybody on the set, and that's part of your job. You, part of your job is to is to deal with your own insecurities yourself, and not not let those seep into the, some you know the wider the wider Newton world. Newton will kick in first. Yeah, no, absolutely, everybody, man. But I mean, the, the, it was interesting. Like, so that that thing of of. It might be worth. I mean, we should probably start. We should probably show a few clips, but. Um, uh, I was thinking as well that we should talk a little bit about about the kind of work because it's quite so. I have pretty vivid memories of what of how we 
developed the I remember going down we did we did a reading yeah we did a reading once and, and it was just like an ordinary reading and it was grand that we were down in your house myself and Mark went down we read the script and it was grand but then I went down to, to your studio in Limerick yeah and we filmed some walks and movements and it was yeah. important to, at the time to nail the character physically because again that again going back and I think it keeps going back to the the fact that I was conscious of who I was and I and uh, the fact that uh, Gay Borland once said to me on the late late show and it kind of stuck me up was you do a great walk as a character in a show I've done so he wanted me to do the walk and forever after everyone said oh Jesus do the walk and do the walk and just one sort of like a <laughs> fucking nightmare but so then we were going into this and, and it was a st- it's in the script the guy had a hip operation yeah. there, and so it required a, a walk, a walk. <laughs> which I was <laughs> fucking dreading yeah. Because I was, yeah. you know, suddenly... Here comes another funny walk. Well, yeah. and the opening scene is like him just walking. And it was a big part of the script was that the yeah, character he, went for walks to, to lubricate his hip, you know, yeah. to, to, to make himself feel he was exercising. Um, so I was conscious of that, but that conscious kind of focused you, you know, and that that made you kind of not settle for anything, uh, you know, and, and I really kind of worked... But you did you have a neighbour? You had a neighbour with a bad hip. I had a neighbour with a bad hip. Yeah, and I used to follow him around the village <laughs> <laughs> because he had a great walk. He, he, you know, he genuinely did. It was like a waddle, and and, and uh, uh, I used to watch him a good bit because it wasn't like you know you you see a limp and the fellas be putting on limbs. But this wasn't like a limp. It was a really strange walk, and it was a hip. I knew because he was my next door neighbour that it was his hip. So I kind of watched him closely, and 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 then I knew uh, I, I I knew a guy that was kind of like Josie at one time and he always had his hands no matter like if you look at anyone walking they 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 go like that but this guy had this strange thing of mm-hmm. just straight in front of him not moving him and it was the most awkward physical kind of look and that with the with the, the um with the bad hip was that junior was that a guy called junior junior yeah yeah junior used to call up to the house yeah you tell me a great story about him how how he would knock on well, the he, door he'd yeah knock on the door and then you'd open the door he he used to get a shock and a surprise. <laughs> As if you caught him unaware at your door after you knocked him at your door. <laughs> he offered to knock my wall down and build it back up better. <laughs> to take his girlfriend to a dance. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a mixture of junior and, and, and next door uh, for the two. But, uh, I remember that walk. Uh, we it, worked hard. We day. did, we did work. And it was like, we improvised as well. Yes. And in that kind of, I'm here to help, which yeah. is a big part of Josie. I'm, you know, That's at your disposal, ma'am, I'll do that for you. You know, all that, all those sorts of phrases that yes. he had. Yes. And, and we worked hard on, on things that Mark had in the script right from the beginning, which were the two phrases that now, Joe said, now and true. And I, I found it very hard yeah. to, get, to get them. But you did. Yeah. And the true thing is easier because it's true. It's just a way of, it's a default agreement with everybody. Because you are basically, you, you place yourself, Josie places himself at bottom status in any encounter yes yes yeah. everybody's opinion is given respect and weight yes, yes he never so true has that kind of yeah. that 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 way of doing it and now is like it works it, i think they're almost all perfect in the film there's one or two different we, levels yeah yeah um and then so we did that that day but we, the other thing we did as he went on was because the way the film works is that the film starts very really deliberately very prosaically like that kind of flat greyish shot of a of a garage and then you've got like you know Josie arrives and Mr Gallagher's there and they have this kind of exchange about nothing in particular about opening up the garage and all and and I think the film lulls you into a sort of sense that it's very kind of a, it's sort of very you're in a very ordinary real world and Josie for the first chunk of the film 
is sort of a bit of a joke. In other words, you're encouraged to look at him as an audience the way the rest of the village sees him. Yeah. And the, what the film tries to do as it goes on is to make it impossible for you to, to diminish him in the way that other people do. So, so the other thing we worked on were these kinds of, and it sounds very mechanical, but it isn't really, the, that, that kind of how he tunes out, like how, what he looks like when he's, when he's kind of just lost in his own little world or, or just on his own, just that, that sort of that emptiness. And, mm. and I have to say, I think that's the hardest thing for an actor to do. If you look at like lots of big actors trying to do that, there's way too much intensity and projection and it's really hard to tune yourself out like that but stay there not go not go dead yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind showing I'm going to show yes. one clip <clears throat> Now, will we go out? We will. Come on, Josie. Total uh, body cancer. Fucking hell. She was riddled. You should have been a doctor, Josie. I should. How are things above? Good now, good. Tell us what's new in Patrick Endicott's. Is he? Really? We're going later to the weekends now. Picking up? Go away. Aye. They mentioned something about it on Sky News, all right. People passing by anyways and we decided to fuck at you. That, that had a couple of things and had the walk, but also had that, that lovely look before, that kind of fixed mouth. Mm. And I remember we found mm. that in, in, our, in our preparation, that kind of, the lip, which he, he does when he's either kind of, just, just there's a, something uncomfortable in it even, and you shake yourself out of it and then say, right, we, we often, there's something kind of, I find those, those faces, though, and, and there's some later in the bar when you're just sitting there and you ask for, like, it's a nothing scene again, except it's not, because Mark knows what he's doing, where he says, um, get a few cans off you there, Val, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
and it, it's just it would sort of break your heart he's just sitting there and he, he's looking sort of he has that no troubles at all that 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 pressure in the mouth and we would be able to say that thing with the mouth you know we'd sometimes say that like That's and we find it but then we would find and again <coughs> um, another example which we come to later is where, where David is cycling away I don't know if you remember that bit where they've had that kind of terrible scene where he watches the porno and the kid's cycling away and there's a close up of you and actually this shot's ever so slightly out of focus but I still use it because the expression was so it's thing we talked about that, that Josie realises things a bit later than other people <coughs> so something will happen and, and, and it, you, it'll take him a couple of scenes to process it and you'll, you'll feel it a bit later in the, in, the, in the film so when David cycles away somewhere inside he knows that that's a catastrophe but he, he, I think what we talked about was most of us if something bad happens we'll externalise it we'll go oh, what did I do as if there was an audience for our yeah. even when you're on your own you know you go but Josie never does that. He, he just feels things in a very sort of primary way. And so those, those, key, those faces were really hard to find, I felt. And he used, to, he used to think of them like a goldfish as well. Remember that? He used to have that kind of thing that, you know, a goldfish like has 30 seconds of memory and then everything's gone. It's like it yeah. never happened, you know. And Josie would say it was a bit like that, that, you know, normal person would react like you yeah. say, or, or feel the emotion, but he didn't feel it. Mm. He, he just never, he, he just moved on. It was only once he ever showed emotion. That's right. The funny thing is, I think what the way I always thought about it was like, somewhere it's going in. Yeah. Because you see that at the very end of the film, something it's like it's all come, but like he, the way through his way of working is just that that's gone. The only time you show any annoyances with the tea. Yeah. With Gallagher, you know. Oh, when he was sitting down eating his pork chop. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. Then it's it's for a moment it is like as if the weight of the whole. Yeah. situation hit him that's right but no sooner did it hit him, hit him and he went back to eat his chop yeah that's right that's right um, so so that's so we worked on these kinds of physical things little markers that would be really and then and then just the sort of even, I mean I have to say from you know not to to Blamos Pat but the bit where he's listening to the radio commentary of the guy mm -hmm. game it's really hard to do that. Like there was no radio playing, obviously, on the day that was just put in after. So you you got your cigarette and you're sitting there, and you you're not doing that actually thing of projecting loneliness. Mm. You're just being Josie in that room, and that's really hard to do. It it takes a lot to not try to look like you're acting. Do you know what I mean? Mm. To not I find anyway with with lots of actors, there's a tremendous, there's, it goes with the territory a kind of showiness, you know. Did you ever tell Pat what the frame was, whether it was... Yeah, I would, yeah, absolutely. You'd mm. often come and have a look at the monitor. The monitor yeah, yeah I would often do that. And how do you think that... Do you find if it was in white shot, would it make it easier to perform it? Or do you think it was helpful telling people how close... I, I think as an actor, it's always helpful to know what's going on, on how big or small or otherwise to to perform. Because sometimes you can, you can... I mean, you can, you can perform a bit bigger. When you know the frame size, um, you know to hold back, or you you know you just you're conscious of what what the director is looking for in the shot, and it, you know it's like with film anyway, it's, it's nearly always important to hold back and, and not, yeah. not perform anyway. But uh, but it's not performing. It's not per it's 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 appearing to not perform. Yeah. Because the ones that do the the absolute like it's in my, it's all in my eyes, you know. Perf 
and actually you can you can so not perform that actually you just fall off the other side you know you fall off the chair but but um yeah i would i i i've never been the sort of director who would sort of play any tricks with kids maybe or with sometimes where you really just want to create sort of you know it's important to you need to do that but but with with somebody that you're really collaborating with especially uh, on a film like ours we would talk about the scene and pat would know a lot about how i was imagining that it was going to cut together for example and um i generally feel it's helpful to be able to say to an actor you know you're you're pretty tight so just be aware of that but 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 i my own gut thing is that the performance shouldn't really change too much whether it's wide or tight you know because I'm a sort of realistic type of director in other words I don't want to it's it's like be who you are and then let us observe you like we were really there so but but yeah we did talk yeah, about it I, I think what I found uh, very helpful was and it's something we did actually discuss even in the morning time and everything was where we are because you know you're shooting out a sequence and uh, I know it sounds obvious but a lot of times you just you you you're just getting caught up with learning your lines and forget you forget about what the scene you've shot prior to the scene we're doing and coming into it and we used to always have a where, where what, what have we done before this where yeah. are we coming from and, and what was the mood and what was the vibe you know we never looked back at any rushes or anything like that but we, you know we, I remember once we nearly did because we just wanted we wanted once to make check. sure that the tone was right uh, once you get into the editing room after that you know it was going to flow. And I found that very helpful personally just to get me into the zone of, of um, the scene previous and where we're going afterwards. Well, especially say when we shot the bar stuff, which was all shot in one week up in Dublin at the end because Pat was Pat had a show in Dublin, so we had to shift from where we were in the Midlands and find a bar that we could use in, our, in Dublin that would double for the exterior of the bar in, 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 in Galway. And... Um, that, like if you think about it those bar scenes they're little slices right through the film so you're going from that first bullying scene through the whole stuff with Carmel into these very tiny scenes and the nature of as you all know the nature of scheduling means that you you like stick some tiny scene on the end of the day because you just want to knock it off but that's crucial you know it's a crucial thing and you've got to give everything it's due and talk about well what's there's no point in shooting a scene where a guy says a few more cans Val if all it's doing is uh, showing you a guy ordering, ordering some cans, you know, so so there's no such thing as a throwaway scene, and um, but we yeah we so we would always talk and I actually think the fact I don't know think about this but in those bar scenes those later bar scenes the fact that you were working like three hour night that night you'd be going in for a big show then you probably have a few drinks afterwards you get back to your place late and you'd be in at six the next morning. I think really helped because you did look much more tired in those scenes. <laughs> you did, no, I remember, you know? And we did, I don't know if we didn't go in sequence, but some of those, it was fortuitous that some of those bar scenes, actually I think we did shoot the bar scenes in sequence because there was no reason not to. Because we were there all week, we weren't, uh, you know, it was pretty easy to just bring people in and out, so that really helped. Yeah, but it was a huge help to have that discussion about where it was coming from and it seems like the most obvious thing in the world to do but it's the one thing you always forget to do you know just, yeah. you just presume everyone's done their work and they're moving on and you, you know sometimes you don't see it until you're cutting the thing together that and you go oh god that's not flowing it's just not yeah like it was interesting you know we did all those walks with the horse and all that stuff yeah we would 
just be very subtle things that if it was at a later point in the film, like after you've been let off from the guards, you walk, you walk up to the, you walk past the horse again, yeah. and it's just knowing, just really reminding yourself of what his state might be. That it's not necessary that you just oh well you're sad because of what just happened. I mean it's not that, it's maybe maybe you're trying to put that out of your mind. Maybe you know just but finding ways that. That everything does in, in, in ways that contain something interesting. There, it, it, it's, it, it's respectful of what went before and what's coming after. Um, I'm just thinking what, what other scene I might play. I think that's the interesting one about Josie, because Josie wasn't, a, you know, probably we probably looked a lot more into it than you probably would with a normal character, because Josie wasn't a normal individual and he talked differently about mm. situations like that and things meant a lot more. So. Mm. We, you know, you should do it with every film. You should think about every line that's there and every performance that's there. But we really did it on this, on yeah. this occasion because he, he wasn't normal. He just didn't behave normal. So you had to think differently every time he did something. And you had to think sort of realistically because otherwise you just end up with a caricature of the of the soft guy in the village, you know, mm. which which you've seen before. Like, otherwise, you know... Mm. And it is territory, like, it is territory that you can fall very easily into cliché with. Um you know, th there were, for example, decisions that are there in the film which are very important is that we don't bring Josie back into town after after the whole of, the whole thing blows up and he's taken in by the guards. And you could easily, easily have made a film where that whole last third of the film is about people saying things to him and, you know, and, you know, and, and, and bullying him and all that. But... But again, that would feel like just, well, what are you going to learn from that? Whereas, whereas what you do learn is that he chooses to do something really quite extraordinary at the end of the film that makes you think about it, hopefully, if the film works, makes you think about it in a different way. Because um, you know, some of the executives did have that kind of worry and wanted to think about other endings, but eventually they were happy to go with what we wanted to do. Um, Can I ask about yeah. the, 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 the earlier part when you went to have initially... And, and changes then with the script. Did you use a, um, exaggeration to find the, the character? Did you did you overdo it and say, well, that's not going down there? Yeah. And did Pat's ultimate performance change the script? Um, or how the ending was dealt with, perhaps? The ending, yes, because the ending is left. The ending in the script is left open. I mean, I don't know. There's probably a production script now, which happens when a script is made from. A final script is done from the film, so I don't know whether the existing official script has that ending. But actually, the ending was sort of left open. Um, there was no horse in it, for example, or anything like that. But we did exaggerate. Yeah, we, we would go like you go, you'd find them in as big a possible way uh, as you can, and then pull them back, and that can be a really useful way to work. But the script didn't change hugely, and 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 that's again a testament to the fact that Mark had. I mean, like all of us but working with him but nevertheless we did discover the value of those scenes and, and I, it's funny I mean to there were scenes that we shot that didn't make it into the cut and those scenes we pulled we didn't do we didn't do because we just, we just sort of knew they weren't yeah. going to work yeah. so and you decided that between both of you well it, we, yeah we, we yes and no uh, in a sense the scenes were masturbation scenes with Josie and you just knew it just knew we, we, were, we were going to do and we both we, we, we just we did a rehearsal kind of of it and a camera set up the camera and look at it 
And it just seemed to be painting the character in the wrong light. And it also, kind of it's like, people there's a kind of tendency at the moment, I call it art exploitation, where you get like, like, you know, wow, this new film from Mexico, they really have sex. It's amazing. Yeah. You know? Uh, you know, it's the Carlos Regadis, or you get a lot of that stuff. And some of it's beautiful filmmaking, but there is a touch of the art exploitation about it, which is, which is a sort of. So it just felt in the end, I didn't want to show. What am I show, Like it's, the fact that Josie masturbates. What what's unique about that? You know, you, you know, in a way, all you're doing it just came to me is to think, oh, how sad and lonely. He has no sexual outlet. That's in the film anyway. So we decided not to shoot those scenes. We also took out. The other thing we did was. I think now I am, I probably having done, ha having done those two films, I was very different in the film that I just made, in that I reef a lot of stuff out before we, of the script very early. I think I've a very respectful, mutually respectful relationship with Mark, which probably led me to shoot some scenes in, in Garage where I sort of in deep down thought this may not end up in there. But, but that's no harm either, because you, 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 you sort of don't know until you start on the project like it, it is for me a truth that I've found that within the first few days of shooting you learn an awful lot I don't know if people here have had that experience you learn an awful lot about your film that you can't know in prep and then you make some very quick decisions about what you are and aren't going to do or how you're going to approach it. at least I find that like first few days of rushes you know before you shoot the film you think oh if everything it must be totally buttoned down and you know, got to go. But but for me, I look at rushes in the first couple of days, and I go, aha, okay, and I learn a lot. But um, yeah, we did, we 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 did. But 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 it it was pretty respectful of the script. We didn't really rewrite too much after that point. No, there's no ad libbing. No, none at all. <coughs> none at all. It's pretty strict. Yeah. Script, to be so all those little phrases, which are which make the script very yeah. hard. All the nows and trues and. My nose and everything they're all written down so that's very hard they're very hard to hit small lines yeah I would say you agree as an actor yeah well yeah and, and especially when the word didn't make a whole lot of sense yeah you know, it, but it, it does it actually makes sense but it took it took it just took time to kind of get into the mindset of it and understand it you know what I mean it absolutely it's perfect now I can see it now and it's just absolutely perfect but at the time I couldn't see it and that's where like, you we know, did a bit of work on that. I remember we did a lot of work myself, yourself, and Mark before the film in Bor. We spent three weeks before the film. That's uh, right. Rehearsing and working, and then other bringing in. I was with you for more or less the two to two. Two three, three weeks. weeks, and then we brought in other key actors for, for <coughs> on a daily basis. So that's another thing that makes the film work is rehearsal, which you don't always get to do on films, which seems to me mad because, you know, all this effort and expense that you that goes into with a film, and then you're like you, you just the most the, the relatively cheap thing which is rehearsal <coughs> gets chucked just in this in this last final scraping of the budget together and <coughs> it just makes a massive difference yeah. and I remember going to rehe doing rehearsals and spending all day working on a scene and then say that's it nail it that's the way I want you to do it do it like that yeah. and then on the day turn up and I do it like that he said oh fuck what are you doing <laughs> 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 but at least you knew from you know. Yeah, yeah. no, you do it, and you, you just have done something. No, you had another idea, yeah, or you yeah, just again, you can never. But it was worked out. It was yeah, you can never, you can never know until I, I find anyway that the fact of actually shooting something focuses your your mind like nothing, yeah. like nothing else. It definitely focuses you as an actor. Oh <laughs> yeah. You think you have it off, 
and then you're told no, it's wrong, and you got to go and do it again. But you know, I thought that's that was the, the joy of it too. You know? Yeah. Um, Sorry, Lenny, you yeah. mentioned the three takes as a little gift. Yeah. Does that mean you were quite solid with that trip? Ah, uh, no, we did. Sometimes we did a lot more. Oh, yeah. yeah. But we would we would sort of do a. We'd, we'd often throw a sort of wild take in, which is quite liberating, actually, because anything that's that I find, and I think actors find as well, anything that stops you getting too sort of feeling hemmed in by the process, you know, to just throw something at it and go, fuck it, let's just do one. I don't know if you found, but it's a very, it's a very knowing when to say you've got a, a shot is very hard. Because there are loads of different forces, you could of course keep shooting it forever, thinking that you might find something new, but obviously there are practicalities, and then you're going to have less time for something else. But sometimes we just we just it's a bit like your question about exaggeration, you know, in a, in a setup, you just look at the edges of what's possible, and then that helps you kind of find the bit you really want, you know, by by exaggerating. I mean, we did. It's funny when I think about the edit. We cut a lot of st- the film got cut a lot. I, it seems to happen to me always. Anyway, that first the first cut was like two and a half hours, and um, the film was 85, 86 minutes or something. So, um, apart from losing a few just big scenes, I just said, no, we really don't need them. There'd be lots of little details in in the scenes, like when when the kids arrive, David and and uh, Declan and the girl to bring David to the. <coughs> to, to work for the first yeah. day remember that there was a scene inside where you're showing them how the tail works that's right yes, yes which is really funny and lovely yeah. but again it's just that film's all about pairing back so that you got the barest essentials that keeps it moving um we'll show another clip so, just wait to see if the lads pick up anything at the garage and if not I'll drop you back thanks Michael and we'll see how things pan out from there right Sorry to David. I'd like to tell David I'm sorry. No harm intended, and it's just sorry, like. No, Josie. Send a letter. I could send the mother a letter. Tell her I'm sorry, and no harm done. Nothing, like. Just innocent old crack is all. Just stupid. Josie, listen to me now. Stay away from them. Do you hear me? Things is bad enough without making them worse. Stay away. Sorry. I'll just have to copy this and see how the lads are getting on. Right. You relax there for a while. You can drop me off here, Michael. I'll walk the rest of the way. Search out the heap. Stay away from the boy now, Josie. I will. It wasn't him that complained. Right. Only said it to a pal he didn't, then board got round and then his mother heard. Right. Stay out of the town, Joseph. I will. We'll be on to you at some point. Right. Sorry. You keep the head down. I will. Your keys, Josie. Sorry. 
It'll only take two minutes now. You sure? I'm sure. Sure. Strong? No, no, not too strong. Oh, this milk is all right. Do you think it's all right? It says 29. Sure, it's grand, Josie. Again, there's like lots of little transitions in that. That's the thing Pat was saying about seeing where he sits at his dinner table and has that terrible moment of horror. Which is interesting that it's played from behind as well. It's not don't go right in and see it. It's just. Why did you do that? Though? I always find that angle really happens. Well, it doesn't always happen to me, but I sometimes have a very like sometimes know exactly what. That, that's one of those shots that I had in my mind very like from quite early on that it just felt like it would be more a bit like you know when you see somebody eating alone in a restaurant and you think there's something about the over there-ness of that and and it was some to be honest with you it was something that I remember once happened to me where I for various reasons something was going on and I did I found myself I had a sort of panic attack in the middle of eating something and I stopped and it, it just and I remember coming back to myself and I didn't know how long I'd been sort of there 
that was so that was in my head and 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 that angle we did work to get it so that it's not too oblique you're not being sort of too clever it's very it's quite difficult to do that stuff in a way because if you go right behind the person then you just look like you're being a bit arch you know what i mean because of course the camera can go wherever so you're you're deliberately you're deliberately withholding information from the audience and yourself you don't make that too obvious but it just seemed to be right and that the other thing I think is really interesting about that se sequence is just how you've how your anger, your frustration, you can't vent it on anybody, so you you vent it on the, on the tea. And do you remember we shot that scene to continue to? That's right. Like we, we that scene was shot to a conclusion where, Gallagher says we're gonna close closing the shop, because it felt like. If you, I mean, again, we don't, it's not a, a thing of playing tricks on actors, but but it is sometimes really good, even if you have in your head as a director that you're going to cut the scene at a certain point. If the scene ends on the page at that point, then everybody sort of subconsciously aims for that ending. Whereas to get the feeling that the world is continuing after the scene cuts, like... John is really thinking, how am I going to say this? And you really are waiting for him to say it. And then we just cut in the edit. It's sort of stronger to do that than it is to... Um, what else? Um, I think it's good to ask, to open it up to questions. And There's interesting things with what Josie does when he's... You know, as a character who's been, you know, who's lonely. Yeah. He's used to being lonely. Yeah. It was an interesting thing in that first scene where he says what he's going to say first. Yeah. Which I found really interesting. Yeah. Uh, was that something you kind of arrived at? With? How would this, how would a lone character communicate with other people? Because he's so used to his, his own company. So, yeah, ha, ha, the, the thing of, like that where he said, will we go out? Yeah. That one, yeah. That was there. I mean, that was there from an early draft. Um, and it was something that Mark felt like that just seemed really right about a character like that, that you do, that you would talk to talk yourself. yourself yeah. I mean, you. I remember when we were working together, you'd, even improvising, you'd be saying, right now, what will we do? We'll, we'll do this, we'll do that. Um, isn't that it, you're sort of giving yourself a, because you've nobody else to give you a purpose, yeah. so you have to give it to yourself. Yeah, it's <clears> all <throat> about you. But it's very much a Mark Halloran type thing. Though, yeah, it is. It? Even when you hear him talking, you know, the lines are, you just, it rolls off. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> it is. But it's the same like we write the oils, you yeah. know, and that whole business with the, all that business stuff with the oils. Yeah, how he is with other people, like in the bar, and I mean all those. That that's that's those scenes with with uh, uh, the kids. Yeah, the kids particularly. Yeah, we shot this pool table stuff, which never made it in. We did, yeah. It was a big pool table scene in it where these two lads come in who are you know two local lads who just take love to take the piss out of Josie and Josie's playing pool with David and Declan and and the girl and um, there's a whole big slagging thing going on and I don't know whether I just didn't shoot it as well as I might have or I think ultimately it just it didn't move things forward and, and it is like a film where even though everything is tiny it's all everything sort of builds the tension as you go, you know? 
There was other scenes. I mean, we shouldn't talk too much about scenes that aren't shot. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Because you don't know what we're talking about. But I love this scene with the other actress uh, that never made it onto the screen as well. Oh yeah. And I, th- I remember it's the original with that, yeah. brief with that was that Josie kind of kills himself with his own stories, and yeah. while Josie kind of, this was a brief he gave to me earlier on that while Josie kind of small talk is important to Josie, and yet it was talk about Josie that killed him in the end mm-hmm. or did, did him in in the end. So it was kind of interesting, and th- particularly the scenes of that lady. She's a great actress. Uh, uh, yeah. I just thought they were so funny, but I can see why they're not there. But, well, uh, but yeah, I, of all the things I tried to get either. that, I tried to get that one scene in more than any other scene. It's yeah. a scene with, what's her name? Miss, uh, oh, fuck, I can't remember her. I can't remember, not the actress, but the character's name. She was like the angel of death. She's really good. Gosh, yeah. It didn't, it just didn't work it in the funny. flow, and it's really hard to cut something like that. But basically, Josie's in the garage, and she comes when when Josie's got to go down the town to do the bank run where he lodges the cash. She comes and takes over, and um, you just start. She's talking about Mister Scarrett, who you meet in the middle of the film. Yeah. And she just scares the shit out of Josie because everything she talks about is death, disease, yeah, people just, going out of their minds, <laughs> you know. And he he just can't wait to get out, but he's absolutely fascinated by her. He just puts him into yeah. a very dark place. Yeah, I'd love to have been able to have deleted scenes. Yeah. Nobody yeah. can ever afford deleted scenes in Irish films, you know, because nobody wants to conform them or finish them to that. You know, it's a pity because there are some great deleted yeah. scenes in that film. And then the steer, I, I remember talking about the Mr. Scarlet scenes, you brought them up there. I saw that, uh, this is where I think the director's very important. <laughs> I saw. <laughs> You're in the right place, yeah, Pat. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, I must say, I thought those scenes were very dark. The ones with Mr. Scarlet sitting by the lake, yeah, with myself and Tom Mickey, and really, really dark. And then you said to me, "No, it's really, really funny." Yeah, and, and dark. And it's dark. just that it it's, is. Yeah, but you got to play it like you don't know how dark it is. I, yes, I, that's the way I felt anyway. Yeah. And it just turned the scene completely around, and it made it a brilliant scene. But it was a bit of discovery on the day on that. I think we try. I think we sort of Scarlet's such a great character. I mean, he is. He is. I find him very. I mean, I find him very disturbing because his depression is so in, unbelievably intense, you know. And he's trying to be cheerful. So the direction I gave to him was. Be really definite. Um, yep. Don't don't let the don't let the thoughts run away with you. Get get the get to the point. So he says, like when they're walking along, you're looking good. Yep. How much? Yep. 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 All, it's like I'm. You know, he's clinging really hard to that thing. And then Josie absolutely destroys him with the story of the eels in the bucket, which is like a, a brilliant Mark O'Halloran yeah. image of futile death or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Josie, Josie, and what's interesting is, you know, it's like, obviously Josie's brought, that story is brought to his mind by Scarrett. Oh, Scarrett's story about yeah. the fish with the uncle, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah who's, who killed himself, or we get that, that sense. And and that puts Josie in mind of dark things, so he ends up telling the story about fishing for eels, which absolutely undoes scare <laughs> completely. I mean, it's it's a brilliant. It drives him over the edge. It drives him totally over the edge. But I do think I do think he's a he's a brilliant, and it's terrible as well that like um, you you sort of feel that Josie is probably the only guy in the town who will Spend put up with him. Yeah, he pulls in the side and you can see in your performance sort of how you miss a scarif. Yeah. I'm terrified now. I'm yeah, really yeah. scared. 
Um, I, I won't play it because it's too too dark really to really get a look at stuff. But um, that was a really interesting one, all right. I mean, I think about that now. You think, and it is two guys on a bench, and it's re- that was a hard day. I think. Mm. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of hitting emotional transitions in scenes, you know, in terms of performance, you know, if you're if it's something as simple as like ordering a can of beer, but you want it to be, or, or in particular transitions, like just how do you both approach that, getting those moments to to work, or do you do you think that's challenging or? Yeah really it's the thing it's the meat and potatoes of it all i think isn't it finding what those like we talk about beats in the scene and you sometimes don't know until you rehearse them where those i would say from a director to a director's point of view it's it's actually just about really listening and watching and being you know especially if the scene you know if you've got really good if the material is really good those moments are in there and and then with what will happen is with an actor you'll they'll play it and and, and, and a good actor will, will throw something at it. Mm. And then your job as a director is to go, yeah, that that thing was something really interesting. And then we'd say, okay, what why don't we play it like why don't we play it like everything up until the point where it's when Scarrett says that, I'd say Pat, like I think that goes in somewhere. So sit so that starts you thinking. So tune out for now and then you, when you come back you're still following that feeling or he's gone off here and you follow him to this point and then you sort of it's finding those things and, and then trying to work them into the scene because in the dialogue if it's you know you can run, you can run the lines and then you can go you know it, it's 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 the space isn't it on the face yeah. you know between and if it's done too if it's too fast even you can't it's not registered yeah. and there's no that change isn't there is I mean it's rarely perfect on the day that's where editing comes in. It's rarely perfect. So so there are loads of... You have a go in the script. You have another go when you shoot it. And then you have a final go in the edit. And if you're lucky, it, 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 it something aligns. Because I, I do think that there is a, some radical difference between nearly perfect and, and something happens when, you, when it all lines up and, and the lights come on or something, you know. And and the scenes you throw away in the end are the scenes where that didn't uh, didn't happen. And you, if you're lucky, none of those are the scenes that you absolutely have to have in the film. You know. Might well I show I'll show the Scarrett scene because it's, it, yeah, from, it's from the point of view of the question you asked, yeah, asked of yeah. where the transitions are will help us remember. I think there's certain beats in that scene. Yeah. That, that, that. It's like yeah, what starts? You know, we would say, well, what is it about? What starts Scarrett thinking about that? Mm. Or it doesn't hurt to have. Yeah, yeah. You keep on well. No fear me. And yourself, you keep well. Grant. Well, you're looking well, anyways. Yeah. Ah, then don't. Come out of there. Ben, come back here. Who are you? Ben, come back here. Come back here, will you? Oh. I come out here a good bit on my own now. 
Do you? Yeah. He used to come over with Sanum when he was a little fella. Oh. Yeah. Before she took him. Just don't be the water there. Walking or dropping a line. Fishing? Yeah. Pike. Owl pike. Or eels. Aye. Pike or eels. <laughs> and he loved it. Never caught a pike here myself now. Pike? Hard old fish to clean. Pike. Full of bones. Loved it. Only ever caught eels here now. Right. Had a great run of eels one time. Never forget it. Kept them in a bucket in our yard. Four days. Tying themselves in knots. Till they died. Then I threw them out. Dirty old things. You keep them well, anyways. Some days. No. You think it's going to stop? It never stops. There's some building in town, isn't there? What the hell with the town, Josie? No such things as towns anymore. Sorry, Josie, I'm heavy. No. Sorry. I see her anyway. Yeah. Nice. And you're a great man to listen to me. Thanks. You were good to me in your time. Hi, Niels. I mean, it's a holding thing for him. Yeah, no? yeah, yeah, just yeah. whenever I need to say something, there's no one to say. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, the last Pike and Eels is probably, like, we were probably being a bit sort of kind to ourselves in the, you know, because it's just, nevertheless, I think the things that, that are interesting there is it's the first part's all one shot, like, and the long scene, and that's where we worked our arses off on that, on that angle. We shot that a lot. Because just one misstep or one wrong pause or something. And the only way you can do it is just watch and listen. That's it. 
you know I think what we dis- what we discovered on the day was just that that thing of it's Scarrett bringing up Senan before she took him that Pat's character sticks to the business of the pike and the eels because that that's sort of safe, safe yeah, yeah. but but when but then he it's part of that character thing of it's gone in somehow the Scarrett's darkness so it brings him back to that story which starts off as a little light story but we remember working on that thing of 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 Josie as he tells it. Oh, great run of eels kept in a bucket in the yard. Four days tying themselves in knots till they died. He threw them out, and then you just see the sort of the full the full horror of that hitting him. And the two men just sit there, and Scarrett crumbles. And so it's just it's just music, really, isn't it? I mean, it's just music. You're trying to find the those patterns and make it believable and, and then it goes from that <clears throat> I think the whole film works that way you know it goes from the comic to the to the very dark and and, and you just have to applaud Mark's writing in that scene it's so amazingly good that you know you and that came out of him fully formed you know much more so than Adam and Paul but that scene like for example that was just a scene he said I've written a scene where he meets this guy called Mr. Sick Garrett and uh and it's bizarre, and we just, but it became the centre of the film, and it's kind of the centre of the film. Can I ask, um, I bet, I would have saw a lot, my brother's got Asperger's kind of uh, dyspraxia. Yeah. And it'd be similar, like if you were bawling your eyes out in front of him, like he'd start talking about uh, whatever it was, you know, anything. Yeah, anything not, <laughs> not to deal with it, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, physical stuff. Um, when you were developing the, the character that way, how personal did you go yourself into into bringing that out so you could direct that way that's direct interesting and yourself that's an interesting thought we didn't talk about particular conditions because we always said let's not know what he is mm. so we'd start we in a pretty certain way we started from the outside <clears throat> but it turns out that Josie's characteristics do fit a lot of those or some of those patterns, you know what I mean? Mm. But we didn't research particular things. We based them on people that we knew or yeah. had heard. Or, would that yeah, be fair that, enough? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, again, going back to that, what I said earlier about the goldfish kind of syndrome, that helped you not get into the emotion of, of um, if something was, for example, that scene we just seen there where, um, it's, you know, it's that, that's the, the switch off and he sees... Instead of, instead of listening to Mr. Scarif and getting emotionally kind of upset or feelings, he didn't have any, just a blankness kept coming up and that he didn't fall for emotions. And everything. And we, you kept, for me, that's, as, as the, uh, the actor, that was my switch to actually not get involved. Because as an actor, you kind of, <clears throat> your instinct is to kind of, or, you know, feel the emotion, as you said, play it out to mm. an audience, you know, and um, with Josie, you really have to stop that just not think about that and just shut down and be as, as blank as possible you know and it's the story that tells you yes that he's actually has ultimately registered those things because exactly. like exactly. there's the, the drowning of the pups you know and he, he does look over the edge for a second and there's a moment of but he says you're right you're right it's a kindness you yeah. say and then Carmel says later that line yeah, it's, I'm going to do a kindness on you Josie but the drowning of the pups, which are the unwanted pups, that's what Josie does in the end. So all of that stuff has built. It it's there. It, it does. It stays there, but we <clears throat> never wanted it to be played. You know, and I don't know whether it's true, but 
no, I am interested in those sorts of things, like conditions like Asperger's, and 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 I think that sometimes, from what I understand, people with those conditions can feel very intensely, but they just can't deal with that, so they sort of close it down. Is that is that true? Yeah, it's a bit like two two magnets put them together, uh, uh -huh. opposite magnets. They they just don't they don't want to go there. They yeah, they're, they're to anywhere yeah. else but mm. talk about on an emotional level. Yeah. But they, it definitely goes on. Like they know what's going on. They just they just don't want to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a bit like that with Josie. And it's a bit like that. But it, again, the goldfish thing is a thirty-second rule. Almost that you, from an audience point of view, I think we, we talked about this too. Mm. You wanted the audience to kind of to wonder: Did he actually register it or not? Yeah. And that's where the thirty-second thing is like. For a minute, you're kind of thinking he does know. He he is aware of the awfulness of the situation with the cop or, or the, the situation with Mr. Scarrett or with the dog mm. dogs. But then he seems to go off and just do something completely opposite. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's like when he stops for that moment and, and does it, and then he goes back to eating his chop again, and you're kind of wondering, you're left wondering. But he's not self-conscious. Yeah. So it hits him, and it's there, and then it passes. And yeah. Whereas the rest of us would, would spend the, the rest of the time going, oh, my God, I can't believe what's happened. But we take that self telling stories about ourselves to ourselves for granted mm. except Josie doesn't really and that's why it's so sort of heartbreaking because he really does love that kid I mean it's yeah. what we talked about what we oh, that's what we took another thing that was interesting we talked about playing about allowing him to be a teenager for the first time in his life because yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what happens with those kids because probably the first time around as a teenager he just got the shit kicked out of him by by Breffney and the lads who were all his contemporaries mm. you know? So, so then he thinks, great, we're all lads together. What do lads do? They watch, you know, they watch a few dirty videos. They do all that stuff. He doesn't realise he's a 40-year-old man and this is a kid. Yeah, his crude attempt to, 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 to comment on the black guy and all that. Yeah. You know, to get in on the, the vibe and say something shocking, you know. And yeah. Of course, that's when it turns terribly wrong. Yeah. That was tough enough scene to do. Mm. But actually, sorry. Could you talk a bit about uh, on being on the set and the relationship between the actor and, uh, and the, the director and the, and the lead actor. Are you minding the actor? Does the actor want you to look up, stay away from me? Are you walking around like best buddies if there's a big heavy scene coming on and your actor is... It's totally different on, on, on each with each actor I, I have found anyway. I've been pretty lucky to work with people who I've really liked working with. We, we would have we got on for like a house on fire on this on set and there was definitely no but you're not precious and that just mm. makes it possible and funny enough when we were talking about it earlier on tonight um, a problem that happens on sets um, it was, I, you were talking about the one time I got angry it was the one time I saw Lenny get angry <laughs> on, on a set it was, and there was an actor talking a lot and which happens between scenes when there's a set up you know people go off anecdotes it's, you know but like it's some you know it's, it's kind of it's, it, it happens everybody falls into the trap but you got to know when it's, it's someone's just talking too much and it starts to affect your your concentration and focus on where you are and what you're doing and then suddenly the, the anecdotes are flying and, and then it's like the first that he says right, you know, we're back we're up and running and we'll go straight into the scene and of course you have no fucking clue where you are and 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 you were aware that i was a bit yeah, distracted that day, and you come over and said, "Look, if we open the matter one more," <laughs> I said, "No, it'll be all cool. It'll be grand." But, but uh, it, what you were right, and it it it, it was uh, there. You were probably being a bit protective, uh, but it was yeah. you were right. It was actually. Well, you do you do have a responsibility to look after 
the cast I think that is true to sort of try to be aware of what might be stressing them if you've got really if you've got very good I, I found anyway that there have been occasions when it'll be the makeup or hair department that will tell me that somebody's a bit stressed or because people will yeah, yeah. it often happens that actors will talk in those situations more than they might talk to you because they don't want to sort of let you know that they're but but generally we had a but garage was a very happy shoot. Yeah. It was there was lots of laughter because because Pat's not a method actor. He wasn't going around as Josie all the time. We cut and then we'd be talking like normal people. Yeah. So it was very but it was a nice environment as well because we were down the country. Yeah. It wasn't we weren't having loads of people coming up saying he's making a movie. Can you know yeah. there wasn't any of that. It was like really quiet and so we could sort of sit on the wall outside the garage between takes and have a chat about what we were going to do next go off get a cup of tea there was nobody around sort of hassling and there was it was very little very little lighting used as well yeah remember, and that as a result allowed um just time to to rehearse scenes in between shots and stuff which we which we did because there was no big setups as such that's right uh, once the sparks got in set up the stuff or if it was yeah. exteriors they were using polyboards and like we two sparks and and they were they actually madly enough were actually pretty on side yeah you know after yeah. a while there was only a, they only made the production girls cry twice. I think it's pretty. <laughs> it's actually pretty, yeah, pretty but good. It, but it actually lended itself to that kind of. We did have a lot of time to work on stuff in between stuff, and it was, it made the kind of the shoot more kind of relaxed, and there was no stress and tension. And the DOP was a really good guy. Yeah, well. and so the, that's about picking crew that you think are going to be, that are going to create a good atmosphere. I mean, I I have worked with other actors slash actresses where I felt tense all day because I've just known that they're very they might be just needy in a different way you know where you've got to they get upset if you're not spending enough time on this stuff with them and, and they can become very kind of precious or something and really spook them or piss them off and then it's like having to go and be sort of uh, you know be a kind of counsellor or a and I find that I have to say it's the thing I hate the most about this about the job I really hate it Lily would you take that account with your audition yeah I would mm. I really would more and more and more in fact mm. like I was one, once I was surprised a couple of times I knew in advance because people had like came with reputations and again you'll get that from the ADs they'll say you know <laughs> prepare yourself because it's going to be really like I've, I've had situations where I've seen pale-faced ADs and I'll say is everything okay and they go yeah no fine and you discover afterwards that the actor is, wasn't going to go on set fucked off pissed off by everything that happened that morning it's a disgrace usually they'll be quite nice to the director because they're aware that the director is the one who decides in the end whether they stay in the film or not or I don't know why that is but just generally people like that can be bossy to people they think they can be bossy with and the really mad ones will go for you as well and there's, you know, there's, no, there's, 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 there's no logic to it but um, but but recently, and like I'm casting, I'm mean, again. The thing I just made is a film with ninety percent of the of the cast are like nineteen or twenty, which is brilliant because everybody's enthusiastic and okay, they can be pretty hard to sort of corral and, and a bit like a bit chatty and all, but that's fine. But the thing I'm about to to make, if you know, fingers crossed, um, is a bit bigger, and so we're looking at like cast, you know these are people you make offers to you don't get to audition and it's like it's a world that I'm really very sort of ambivalent about but it, but it, it does the film does call for it 
and um, I've said to the casting director who's a very experienced uh, woman in, in Britain who's cast lots of big films we just I've said no mentors that's it I don't care how good they are <laughs> we are checking to see whether they are like are they into the work do they are, will they muck in are they I mean there are plenty of people who are a bit crazy that's fine but like precious and difficult I just could really live without I think it's I do think it really affects the finished film. I really do. You do get some directors when they take that on as a challenge. And, and they, they're, they're probably mental as yet. I think that, uh, I mean, like, you know, there's a famous, is it David O. Russell? Or was it the, uh, yeah, the famous, you know, the famous uh, one yeah. with Lily Tomlin? Yeah. Oh, the absolute hell of it. No, we hadn't, we didn't have the, we had no. I mean, Tom is quite a delicate person. You know, Tom likes to, Tom won't walk into a situation if he doesn't, He'll want to, you know, he's very thoughtful. He's very mm. classical in the way that he prepares a character. So you do, plus he deserves respect. You know, he's, a, he's, a, he's been doing it for a long time and yeah. you have to take that seriously. But, but there was nobody difficult on, on Garage. No. You know, I did have a, I had oh God, yeah. Switch it off. Leave it. <laughs> so. How long was the shoot? Six weeks, which is actually really nice. Five days or six days? Five days. Like, civilised. Did we do, we didn't do pickups on Garrett, did we? Uh, no. We no. didn't. No. Um, so that was, yeah, it was, it was, it was six, five day weeks, which is, which is like the perfect amount of time for that. I mean, considering it's so simple. We did do pickups. Yeah. Oh, we did. What yeah. did we do? I'm trying to remember what we did. I don't know. I just know I went back on the cigarettes. <laughs> oh, you did. Yeah, you did. I can't remember what it was. I yeah. remember what it was, but it... it um... I mean, the, the six-day weeks are not to be recommended. They're, has anybody here done six-day weeks? They're, yeah. They're pretty horrible, aren't they? No. <laughs> well, I hate them, that's for sure. And I think the crew gets so knackered that after a while it becomes kind of... I think the BBC have a great idea, the 11 day fortnight. Yeah, that, that, you know, yeah. because mm. you stagger it. Yeah, you get a fortnight every two weeks, yeah. don't you? You, yeah. get a, you get a weekend it every really two weeks. It really works with yeah. staff. Um, how, how many weeks of rehearsal did you do overall? I think three. Three, just, yeah. Which yeah, is good for, six day, for a six week shoot, if you think about it. Right. And we, we, we moved down for all the prep, crew moved down to Burr and lived there for. There's something really nice as well about living, <coughs> about shoots where you shoot outside your home because you kind of get to actually. Community live. Yeah, and it, it kind of it can. It's now really become a family kind of. A thing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Did you find it difficult when you were doing your performance and then going back to the set every day? I mean, obviously, tired wise, yeah, but in terms of character, after doing something really broad and then going back into something a lot more complicated. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I'm good at switching on and off. Um, but I do remember one particular scene we'd shot at Fair, and I, I found myself very down, and I'm not like that normally, but I did find myself very down after it, and found it hard to go to the bar and have a drink. <laughs> we just but I do, you know, I do remember those, <laughs> those one particular scene, I, I just went back to the room, I found it very, it was just... Oh, this was in the, in the yeah, I think it w in the bar stuff, it was probably... Oh, do you know, it was, yeah, and it was another, that, another day there, which was quite, quite difficult. Um, as well, because you're constantly being battered. Uh, oh, it was uh, yeah. You know, as as a, not just physically, but but mentally. You know, you and you have to try and find the zone of it and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not one of those people that takes it away with me after. You know, I, I tend to shut down. But that day, I found it hard. You know. 
like there were there were um they were demanding enough days because of the nature of the script and because there was nowhere to hide in any of the scenes like it's all about you all the time you're in every single scene and also they are very demanding because they're written in such a way that they have to be sort of those beats have to be hit those spaces have to be found those those pauses have to be right so we would sometimes on on on, on quite complicated scenes would shoot a lot of takes and so it's tiring, you know? It's concentration levels, yeah, it is plus tiring. And when you're shooting, say I was looking at the thinking of Tom there in that emotional scene, is when you have somebody who is, it calls for them to become very upset, and then you have to do another angle, another angle. I yeah, mean, just you do need to think about that. Yeah, how, I mean, how do you prepare for that, or how do you approach an actor? Which funny if we just did another thing in the film I made, which is called What Richard Did, which is like, there's a funeral scene, and there's a woman who breaks down in the scene, and it's very raw, and she's very good, and she really, really does it, and it's not telly breakdown, it's like, it's full on, and she got really tired, and, and I had to, you know, I talked to her all the way through, and I said, I'm, I swear to you, this is the last, and we're going to do two more, and I'm going to do it from here, and then can you give me another one and is that okay and you just have to be don't assume don't be don't presume but like with Tom there was, yeah we would do it quite a number of times I think he was quite excited by that scene because it's such a good scene that he was but I'd say he was absolutely exhausted at the end of that because he's a he's a sort of he's an actor who does you know he cried he didn't and I I'm, I have to say I am I have in my experience to date I would have to say that I've worked with actors who who go there emotionally oh. and others who in quotes pretend brilliantly and you call cutting their their ground oh. and um, I would say that there is no difference in terms of the, the, the quality of, of the result so never you know it's a real trick in like sometimes auditions you, somebody would actually cry and everybody in the uh, there's going to cut this But like that, you know, it is pretty. It's a pretty amazing yeah. skill to yeah, have, right? Is, yeah, yeah. But but as 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 the actress in the thing I just did said, look, it's just a muscle you learn to 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 find it. But the thing is, an audience is not there going. They really cried. You know, th- th- while that's amazing in the room, for the scene. A br- brilliant pretending. Is profound. Just like a brilliant slapstick comedian is like Pat is it that is an amazing gift you, you don't sort of go well it's not real he didn't actually fall over he 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 did this amazing pratfall that's the skill you know the pretending is a, is a high art is what I'm sort of trying to say maybe in the moment it is the, uh, the pretending is the thing but just it's just that if there are if you can come out just because you can come out of it immediately doesn't mean, doesn't mean it's not real, it wasn't real when absolutely it was, yeah. There is there is amazing sensitivity going on in those you can see the thoughts passing through the mind and um but I, but you know it's funny again on the, on the thing I did like and Pat would I've seen where the two leads in this film what Richard did Jack Rayner who's the sort of the 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 star of the show is very much a sort of he goes there but he doesn't he's he's not um he doesn't need to sort of say oh it's just Whereas the, the actress, she would say, 
just give me a minute. Now, she was totally non-precious. She was an absolute joy. But she said, just give me a second, and she'd find it, and then she'd just look up, and she'd be absolutely right in the moment and amazing. Um, but she, had to, she, would, she would dig it out. You know, she'd find something to think about that would help her. Jack would, quotes, pretend, and yet there is no dis... Well, I suppose as a director, you have to make sure they're both acting at the same intensity. You know, you, it's a real danger, and I, it would sometimes happen that, you know, you find two actors playing a different scene, in the, you know, on the screen at the same time. But. So, Pat, you were saying that you, you got to do a lot of rehearsal beforehand, but did you actually get to rehearse on location? Or was it totally different then when you got there? Did it feel, oh, I'm actually here now, wearing his clothes? Yeah, sometimes, I mean, when we used to get to block, you'd do the blocking, and then myself and, and Connor, especially the scenes with Connor, we'd go away, and we'd line run and rehearse it ourselves, and rehearse it and rehearse it, and um, it's, you know, f like, it's, it's, I find it great if you can get to work with the act, you know, just as much off scene as possible, uh, instead of all the talking, uh, the, the, you know, the chatting, just to try and get it, and sometimes, it, you know, familiarity with each other works really, really well. Um, with the other actress as well, you know, and, and getting the characters. Connor was brilliant like that, wasn't mm. he? I mean, we used to do a lot of working together, but yeah, when you get into the costume and you get into the whole vibe of it, yeah, you do, there's something about switching on to the character. And you do, I certainly do use uh, the costume in particular, is a big thing, or that once you get into that zone, you kind of stay with it. Not, not the location are so incredible as well. Though. I'd say when you were sitting there eating that dinner, and the fact that you use it pulled so far back that you yeah. really do feel mm. that kind of loneliness of sitting in that actual <coughs> place. That's the great thing about yeah, cinema. You, know, you get to go there and, and, and you can kind of feel as an actor, you're not carrying everything, I suppose. Mm. You know, the yeah. place is doing a load of work absolutely, and yeah. the light's doing a load of work. And yeah, yeah, good, good set. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, sitting in Joseph's room, the, the, the detail that went into it, um, you know, was great. And the lighting was beautiful as well. Just... You know, it was very soft and very. You did, you did get the vibe of it. You know, but it's it, not a working garret, is it? it, it no, it not. A, it had stopped up. It had stopped like a year or something before yeah. we shot there. Yeah, and it was a really weird one. They, they, with the art department, told us they'd found letters there that some guy had actually been living in there, uh, in that space. There was a little, there was a little room, that was a little tiny flat, which we just, which we discovered after we picked the location. Yeah. We, we didn't use it, it was too small to film in, but we we built ours like in the same part of it. Yeah. But like we did rehearse, yeah, we would always, as I say, block it, talk it through. Yeah. Pat would maybe go off and work with, with Connor, with Connor <coughs> particularly because he's young and needs that. Yeah. He needed mm. to feel safe with Pat and know that he was gonna, you were going to, you had to have that relationship. And then, but then we would come and we would run the scene quite a lot before we filmed yeah, it. Yeah, we would have, we'd have crew in there just ourselves and just run it. That's a really good thing to do is to just banish everybody from the set mm. for you, for actors maybe, and, and probably DOP and first AD just to sit and watch so that you so that if you find something, and it's a funny thing you do tend to as a, from an actor's point of view is you, when you work it and work it and work it uh, like we did there, and then when you bring everyone back into the room to see it, you really feel you're performing it for the first time. So yeah. it gives it an added energy. Yeah, that's a good you, point. That, that now you have an audience like a theater almost. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. It, it brings it to life again, you know. So. And those key people like first and uh, and DOP should should be should be able to like everything that you want to say mm. while you're rehearsing it. You can just give a little note to the <coughs> DOP and say like what you know, come and have a look at it from here. Or and and that's a really nice little group 
to, to run stuff, get your thoughts together. You don't have to try and remember all your thoughts to go back out and tell. And at first you're saying, you know, we'll need this or, or he or she gets to just see what, like, what way you're doing it. But yeah, it's very, it, it's nice. And actors, I think, really appreciate that bit of space before, because then everybody's running in, and, you know, people running over and measuring tapes and, you know, makeup has been done and you just need to, you need to build something strong enough to withstand that assault of, Shite that happens just before you actually shoot something. <laughs> yeah, just a question. I always, I was always intrigued by the final image of the film. Yeah. The horse and the railway tracks. Yeah. What is the significance? Haha. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what I think it is, but people have different views. We didn't know that was going to be the last image. Okay. While we were shooting. His relationship, like, I always want to try and find something in a film that's more than just psychology and and story, just something that lifts it into, that gives an emotional sort of meaning to the film or, or, or captures something kind of interior. And I thought, we didn't know how we would end the film. We knew that Pat would walk into the water and that might just be the last image, but it felt like too sort of crushing an image and wanted to be able to give the audience some space to reflect <coughs> on what they'd seen. So so images of the of the bog where he'd walked. Mm-hmm. And I asked to have the horse there that day when we were shooting those images to see what that would do. We tried various things. We tried Pat and the horse walking with each other, like just as an abstract image. I'm not trying to not trying to say that he he had survived or anything, but but it but just as a, as a just a thing to think about, him in nature and that that's too it was too too many meanings and then the horse did this thing of actually just walking right up to the camera which was which on the day was kind of amazing we'd been feeding obviously to get the horse to do the things we wanted we'd all pat had had apples all the time in his pocket so he'd always be giving apples to the horse so did the crew you know it's just like so the, the the owner of the horse just like it wasn't a trained horse or anything the owner of the horse and the movie horse, George. yeah, exactly. <laughs> just left him up off at no, the top of the tracks, and we said, "Okay, we'll just film him on the tracks. Maybe he'll just stand there. It'll be an interesting image." I, I really was searching that day, and um, and then the horse just saw us and thought, "Ooh, there's the apples," <laughs> and just walked all the way straight down the center of the tracks like you couldn't possibly have mm. planned, and stopped and stared into the lens. And I found it. I just kept going back to that image as something really, really hard to define but I found really moving and I'll tell you what I think for me what it means it is throughout the film you 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 think you know as I said earlier you think you know who Josie is you think you can define him as the village idiot the kind of guy who's not kind of all there that as I say becomes harder and harder as the film goes on because he reveals these other sorts of depths and then he does this extraordinary thing at the end and for me there's a there's a a parallel there you look at an animal and you think you think it's the least of things in a way but it walks up and you look at those dark eyes and it looks back at you and you think i have no idea what's behind that like that that's it for me it's an image of of it's very beautiful very tender but it's also unknowable and challenging and profound that's what that image is for me it's also i suppose an idea of freedom if you, a cruder but no that's very val- valid it. i think people have said it's like 
you've seen this horse tethered the whole way, and then at the end you just present this animal to the audience as a as a free thing. Don't think of it as this. I don't think of it as a symbol. I think of it as a, as an image which has an emotional quality, which some people really it really really affects them because of the state they're in after seeing Josie drown. And some people just go, what the fuck's that thing with the horse all about? <laughs> I remember you being asked that question in Cannes. Remember this journalist asking Pat this question, and, and Pat, what is the uh, significance of the horse? And you were go there going, it's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> Short, so we ought to long yeah. <laughs> I mean, like the horse was the only one that kind of missed them. It's only well, there, there is. I mean, it's it's a very yeah. There is that. I mean, you think. I don't know. It's a, it just felt like, it's it's a very abstract ending for the mm-hmm. film. But it but it's it, also a suggestion that it's the last thing Josie did before he killed himself was let the horse. Out. Yeah, well, that that's another. That's something that's there as well. That the horse is, is sort of that he that he let the horse off. That's that that's true. Would you think about that? that? Lo- lovely those moments. I think it's two or three times. You yeah, three times with the horse. Yeah. The horse was something else that I, that was something I put into the film because, I had I just found it. I'd seen this horse on a on a kind of on a road on a crap road in in near Arklow looking over a field and, and the idea of him having this con- these conversations with the horse just seemed like a, a good the right thing I think as well working animals when they've served the purpose or done something bad they're put down yeah absolutely it's one of that connection with Josie because he's connected to animals the whole way through it yeah the pups the horse I mean I love animals as well and I am fascinated by we kind of assume that and I'm not I'm not a new age I mean I'm a, an absolute you know materialist atheist blah but uh, I don't think everything happens for a reason for example which appears to be the thing people most like to <coughs> uh, anyway I'm going to my hobby horse <laughs> but uh, but I, I feel that when I look at an animal I think you know I can't tell I don't I've no idea what it's like to be inside that and I find that really fascinating you know that you, but you still can have a relationship with them but marriage really <laughs> <laughs> Horse symbolizes endurance. It's a, it's a symbol of endurance. Yeah, that's also true. It's it's the, it's the beast of burden. The yeah. yeah, that that's that's a good point. That that's also true. That he is a bit like that. He is, oh. that he, you are looking at. It, yeah, he is a bit like that. He is this, put upon creature and incredibly gentle animals as well. There's an implication though that yes, this this horrible phrase, the village idiot. But did you feel Pat that actually Josie was was aware of something? greater than everybody else didn't know or did you ever get philosophical about the character uh, no <laughs> no I mean I know I, I'm not trying to I, I kind of know what you're saying I, um, I don't think he was no I don't think I ever thought that he was intelligent enough or smart enough it was it was more like how he tried to cope with everything how he and, and it was more he was kind of a as opposed to someone who was thinking deep or there's a bigger picture or this it's all going in and he's confusing he's confusing it uh, and you know later on he'll reveal all it was more that he, j- he just copes and and again i keep going back to the the goldfish type scenario it's kind of a coping mechanism and and then a blankness and moving on but did you feel i mean I, the thing i felt about him is that He's an incredibly good person. He's I mean, he yeah. really cares about the he cares about the town. He cares the about the people in the town and, and, that, yeah, yeah. and the kid. He does love that kid. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the town was a big thing for him, mm. really. I mean, that was and even in some of the scenes that 
didn't make it on, that was a big thing in it. So while it's, you know, I know we're talking about scenes that didn't make it on the screen, but they were very important to me in the makeup of the character, you know, um, so that's why I kind of remember them quite well. But it was the town was the big thing to me because mm. it was it was about his safety net, his his uh, surroundings. He's the type of guy that would never go to a hurling match into a different town or something. You know what I mean? Yet he knows everything probably about hurling, but it's all about just his own little safety net, his own space, and he talk confidently and booming away inside in the shop. But then you put him in the pub and he's kind of meek and he's mm. you know. So it was more about he's kind of he's he's uh, he's and when he go out for a cigarette outside the door, you mm. have a good conversation there, you know. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's not about what the character thinks. It's not about the character's awareness. It's about what the character really is mm. in, a, in a bigger sense. You know what I mean? In the same way that the horse doesn't, isn't thinking about its, about its world or itself. I mean, obviously, there's a difference. But, but from our perspective, there's something incredibly profound about looking at that, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that it, there's a great... Something that got cut completely from the film. I mean... But is a great running thread that never made it was La- Lahi. That's right. Yeah. It was a, a guy player that um, that Josie's really annoyed with because he's put on weight. He's based on a real Tipperary guy right, player, yeah. which is one of the reasons why we have to sort of change it. Yeah. <laughs> but but he, he's, he says at one point, he's listening to the radio and there's something about Lahi having been substituted. <laughs> he goes, Lahi. <laughs> and then there's a there's a couple of conversations he has with Mister with the with with the, the guy who owns the garage. Well, fucking lie. Uh, yeah. He's really he's furious about this hurler. Yeah, that's the thing when he gets something into his head, he get passionate about it. You know, and it was all it's about it was about those moments and those tempos and and you know, I suppose like when he get got angry at the milk, you know, he got mm. fucking very angry at it. And yeah, it was about those moments really more so and capturing them. You know. Do you think though sometimes you can feel when you take those scenes out, can you almost feel them there even though they're not there? Yeah. You know, that they're doing something even though, which is a weird thing to... No, they do. They leave an impression on the scenes around them and they leave an impression on the character, definitely. definitely. And it's not a, it's not a, I had a bizarre conversation with a, with a designer on Skype today. He turned out to be very, very spiritual altogether. And she was telling me, she said, I, I paint in these, I like to put a tiny bit of phosphorescence in the paints, colours that I use. Uh, because I feel that that like that like that'll it'll catch the mood of the actor and it'll somehow be in the paintwork. But anyway, so <laughs> not in that sense. But I, the image I've used before is like you take a lot of stuff out when you edit, and it's like the way they used to build arches. You know, they build the entire structure and then they take the middle out. I do think they sort of somehow, in this sense, they do support. Definitely, I mean, it's amazing how little you need to suggest stuff and. And you tend to overshoot and overwrite, and 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 actually, you just little little hints left in looks. You know, it's the bit that the script doesn't contain. Is the the I'm always being told by 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 like again sometimes execs will say to you, a comment that drives me mad. I don't know if I'm going to really identify. Will I really like the lead character? Do I really like them? Are they everyman enough? Can you see everybody in them? I think, well, first of all, why does the lead character have to be everyman? It's like, you know, Dostoevsky wouldn't have written Crime and Punishment because how many of us have fantasised about killing old... I'd never fantasised about killing an old pawnbroker. So I'll never read that book because it's not me. But, but, uh, but so one of the things you get all the time is, is the main character likeable enough? Will I, will I empathise with them? 
But actually, you know, it, it's just in tiny things and details of how they look and their, their humanity when they're alone and, and, and all those ways in which you kind of can care about somebody. You don't have to care. You don't have to be a lovely person to, to have an, a, an empathy with them. Part of, the, of really good art is to, is to make you empathize with people that you really would rather not empathize with. You know what I mean? But, but it is those tiny details of performance that, that carry so much. And, and so, so you tend to write scenes into a film which you think are necessary because they're going to help an audience understand something. But actually, just look at the person and it's there. You know. Thank you. Thank you very much. Not at all. Thanks pleasure. Thank you for listening to SDGI Directors and Dialogue. We would like to thank our sponsors, the Irish Film Board and the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. For more information on the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland, visit us at www.sdgi.ie.